The Accutron Show. Accutron. It's not a timepiece. It's a conversation piece. With your host, Bill McCuddy, and contributors, Scott Alexander and David Graver. Art has always been kind of the, the moment in which I get lost in the process. So I've always enjoyed forgetting my own sort of sense of self. The voice you heard at the top of the show was today's guest, multidisciplinary artist Bruno Levy. But first up, me, Bill McCuddy, culture writer Scott Alexander, and editor David Graber discussing, yes, the art of the tattoo. All that and more on this episode of The Accutron Show. Stay tuned. Tattoos scare me. I don't think I'm a tattoo guy. And I wonder... The folks at home can't see me, but they, right. so they can't see the big tattoo on my forehead that says, Scott. I have poor impulse control. No, <laughs> be honest. Scott Alexander, you have no tattoos. I have no tattoos. But I, I actually want to get one. You do? Yes. I just recently, my girlfriend got one recently, her first. And I was like, you know is it what? Your name? I think it's time. It is not my name. Okay. And is it my name? It was. It's in enti- her entire leg. <laughs> What? It's what? seaweed from her ankle to her thigh. Oh, wow. Oh, we need to talk later. Um, and David? I also do not have a tattoo and was afraid of them for the longest time, but my best friend is a fine artist who just started tattooing himself, and for the first time ever, I'm considering getting a tattoo, but from him, because the big question is permanence, putting something on my body permanently yeah. that I wouldn't regret. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. I well, here's the thing. I think it's about impermanence because you know this is a one way trip. So I think as we're lo- holding on to this idea that like my body will be here forever, I have to take care of it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but what you put changes. on the body, it's like Grandma. Why why do you have that tramp stamp? I mean, <sighs> what you mean? To, what has the most it lasts meaning? Forever. It lasts forever. So do something that you like. At Make a time. choice. Well, Make a choice. Make a commitment. And it's the same to me, it's the same thing the way you have to attack life. You have to make a commitment to what you want to do and then jump. You have to jump out of the airplane at some this point. This is a big one, guys. This is a big one. It's don't, it's don't your make body. it a big tattoo. You're make it on... something that goes under a shirt. Yeah, make it something that doesn't show when you're uh, unless you're in the ocean. Can I just get a dot? Just like you a can little just get a dot. Like, it's funny. My friend like Davey, Miss Kitty on Gunsmoke. Can I just friend, get like a beauty mark? My friend Davy has tattoos all over him, and he's he's given himself almost all of them. The tattoos on his left arm are beautiful. The tattoos on his right arm are terrible because he is right-handed. <laughs> and, oh. and he oh. he he was one of the people who really opened my mind to like just use the canvas because you're not going to get to use it if you just if you go to your grave with it. He said it was a like when he got his first tattoo it was like opening a cork on a bottle like all of a sudden you got to just use it up. And he said the way it happened to him, he was at a party and a friend of his who had been always bugging him to get a tattoo and he's like, "Nah, nah, nah." Came up to him and stuck him with a tattoo uh, needle, just gave him a dot of a tattoo and said, "There, I broke the seal." That's oh, wow. that's against the law. It's effective. That's, <laughs> that's so effective. I'm pretty sure that's the beginning of a Law and Order episode I saw. <laughs> but that is once they do say once you get one, it's hard to stop. My brother has several tattoos, and the first one was very meaningful to him. I think they're declining in meaning, but can, he's continuing for the experience. Your relationship to the idea of getting a tattoo massively changes once you have your first. I'm curious what the most popular tattoo is, if it's a star somewhere or an anchor on your back. Well, I think Bruno has a style. I think he works in a specific skill set of of a number of different images that he'll describe to us. He also had an interesting publication called Dispose, where people used throwaway cameras, and they published this online. And it sounds a lot like Instagram. 
So maybe he was well, the forerunner. Maybe he was the pioneer. Uh, well, that disposability, though, I think it goes right back to the tattoo idea. These things are, are temporary. You think of them as permanent. But you're the thing that's they temporary. are permanent, Scott, and we have to talk about. We have <laughs> to talk. So am I. You're, you, <laughs> Stop talking about it. If you get seaweed on one of your legs, I'm not sure if we can continue to have this uh, podcast. Um, but that's just my opinion. Maybe I'm the old guy here. Uh, Bruno Levy has been seen at the Guggenheim, Times Square. He's been featured on the uh, jumbotron, the Bronx Museum. These are all temporary things. These that's aren't right. permanent. Ephemeral. That's, that's the life of an artist. What they do often just hangs one place one time and then we don't know where it goes. Not so with the tattoo. So we have, I can tell a little difference. I'm never getting one unless he can well, talk me into it. Well, I think there's a huge it. generational difference. And there's a, there was a big change when I was coming out of college. It was kind of when I was sort of pre-college tattooing was an extreme thing. The bikers had them, sailors had them, people in the military had them. And then, and then during the it was during the '90s, the whole grunge thing came in, and, ta and tattoos came in with that. It became very, very hip, and suddenly you had these tribal tattoos and these bro tattoos, and all this whole movement around this. And now it feels like things are actually coming back to some sort of equilibrium. It's less flaunty, it's less trendy, and it's actually more maybe more authentic. I know all of our opinions differ, but I have walked up to someone and seen a tattoo and thought. That is a gorgeous tattoo that compliments you, that adds I, okay, to your yeah, essence I, and energy. I, I do. I, I will admit to that. I've, and I've seen some beautiful ones, a little rose maybe on a woman at her ankle. Uh, but the guy that's covered from head to toe, I can't get behind well, that. Well, the human enigma who's just tattooed all over his entire body with a jigsaw puzzle? <laughs> is anyone even getting them Two right of now? my editors have um, sleeves, have really geometric, like mag meticulously designed sleeves that I feel like are accoutrement. They are value adding and they're art writers and they care so much about the art world so it's it's bringing it to their person in a really thoughtful way it's i'm buying them a long sleeve shirt for <laughs> christmas i'm sorry uh, <laughs> i'm wondering too as i mentioned a moment ago are they doing this anymore is it, are people getting tattoos during uh, covid so we will ask bruno all of that bruno levy joins us in just a moment on the accutron show the world runs on accutron time Accutron watches since 1960, from New York City to around the world. Bruno Levy, welcome to the Accutron Show. You know, here's something I've always wanted to know. Who shouldn't have a tattoo? Is there anyone that walks in and, the, and, and you go, mm, not for you? Um, that's an interesting question. I guess not, not so specifically. I think most people that come to me are um, come to me for a specific reason. So I don't really have that interaction with people. I sort of uh, book my tattoos by appointment only. So I don't get a lot of walk-ins that, you know, don't think about what they want or how, I guess, it, it fits them. So I guess I don't really get to um, to experience that so much of like that, that idea that, that someone <laughs> shouldn't get to have something but they bring you some crazy ideas that you go, well, and you have to steer them a little or do you do exactly what they tell you? Um, so basically, I f mostly do what's called like my my flash, which is basically my art or drawings. I don't do a lot of custom work. When I started tattooing, I used to do a lot of custom work and basically take on people's ideas and try to render them in the best of my capabilities. But over the time, I found that what I was really good at was my own direct 
drawings or initiative of what like those drawings should be. And I've kind of focused on those over over the last uh, few years or so. Um, so basically the way I book appointments or my tattoos is I have a series of drawings that people can choose from. I think that sometimes there is a sort of conversation of how those fit them personally. Um, I do have certain instances where I feel like those symbols or motifs that I've designed fit someone more or less and try to veer them in in some way. But for the most part, it I, I don't really have that much of um, of that kind of interaction because people are picking specifically designs that I've created. Would I, you say your work falls into a particular style? Like what would you call your style? Um, so a lot of it is a reference from early 1900s Western tattooing art. So I do take a lot of references from from that era or like from that, that age, I guess my a lot of my inspirations start from pre-consumerist or capitalist structure that exists within the tattoo world that exists today. So a lot of things from like the early 1900s that are a little more rough in their nature. A lot of it is based on sort of like these nostalgic longing ideas of missing uh, of travel and then missing the things that kind of make you feel bo- like bonded to something concrete that some people might call home. So whether it's, you know, a loved one or the idea of love and romance or like missed love um, or um, once again, like travel and sort of... uh, A memory. A memory of sorts. Um, But those memories are... Are, are tied to nostalgia and romance. To nostalgia, yeah, to say, nostalgia yeah. and romance, um, and to like a very like basic human kind of emotions. So, how did you decide to devote your life to the arts? So, I was pursuing this idea of making art. I think I always wanted to be an artist um, from a very young age. I'm someone who's less conceptual in the creative process. I've always just enjoyed creating versus conceptualizing a creation and then rendering it. So for me, art has always been kind of the the moment in which I get lost in the process. So I've always enjoyed drawing and losing myself to the hours of drawing or painting or making videos or editing and just losing days and time and forgetting my own sort of sense of self. And I think it's it's in some way extremely selfish but in some way, like a very therapeutic way to that I've learned to live in this world. I learned to tattoo um, many years ago, maybe 12 years ago when I was living in Nepal. It was something that fell onto me, I would say, versus something that I sought out for. I was drawing a lot, um, owned this small little bar, cafe in Kathmandu, and people kept asking me to tattoo my drawings onto them. At the time, I was doing sort of street art, graffiti. I was drawing a lot, and it it was, I guess, in the mid-2000s. And at that time, there was this trend of sorts of street artists that transcended to, like, tattooing and um, different kind of mediums. And I thought it would be an interesting medium for me to explore. It reminds me, are you familiar with the uh, French um, graffiti artist J.R.? Of course, yeah. The photographer? Yeah. When I spoke with him uh, a little while ago, and he, I said, oh, you're one of my favorite photographers. He said, I'm not a photographer. I'm a gallerist. 
And his point was that he's really bringing art out. And if, if people haven't seen his stuff, he puts these giant photographs on the sides of buildings and he's taking art out of the museum. What you were saying about high art versus accessible art and, and sort of this true interaction that you're maybe getting to with tattooing, it reminds me of that. Do you feel like that's similar? Yeah, I think there's a similarity with that. I think there's a, there's a direct relationship where you're cutting the gallery out, where you're putting the art directly with the people and the idea of that cons- like consuming of the art sort of separates from the capitalist structure with the art market. And so it's a lot more direct. People aren't buying tattoos to resell them after I die, which is very uh, liberating or at least feels more genuine. JR is very ephemeral and his work is is always fleeting. It's never there for very long. As is the flesh, David. But, <laughs> but when you are working, you are putting something on a person permanently. It will be with them moving forward. How do you feel about your relationship to longevity and, and the human body? I think I deal with that more in an aesthetic way. So I think when I think about the idea of permanence, I think about it as a design element. So I think about design as something that can last um, last over sort of trends, trends of what's cool, what's not cool, and kind of look at like through the basics of what makes something last a long time. Um, because I think we all go through like philosophical and ideological changes through change and aging. Hopefully some people stay the same for the rest of their lives, but the idea is to evolve with time. So if we have an attachment to a concept today, it might not mean something to us, 20 years from now, if we have an idea of, you know, an aesthetic choice or liking that we like today, it might not be the same 20 years from now. So I, in some ways, I try to, to think about all those things and create things that last longer, if that makes any sense. It does. Bruno, you mentioned time, and time is something we think about a lot here on the Acatron Show. We're sponsored by a watch company. but And so it, it strikes me, your work in particular reminds me, as you mentioned, of the work you see on sailors and the work you see on people in jail. These are people with a lot of time on their hands. Do you feel like that part of the of tattoo, the tattoo world is sort of related in that way to having long stretches of time? I think my attraction to those images has to do with more of a when we talked about like nostalgia or like this this um this idea that these symbols represented a lost time i think there's there is a romanticized kind of idea that we have as human beings for the past like we always romanticize the past and i like moments we didn't live so I think when I look at those images of these people that I've never met and they're rebels in some ways of a certain structure or society and they look a certain way, I think there's a romantic kind of attraction to that personally. And I think it's something that a lot of people probably resonate with, which is why they come and get tattooed by me. It, it seems to relate much more to the sort of imperfection than the perfection. You see a lot of the modern tattoo styles very much like, oh, look at this amazing, perfect image that was able to be put in the perfect place on this body. And that jailhouse tattoos and sailor's tattoos were highly imperfect. I, in some ways, that was like a way for me to get into tattooing. So I learned to tattoo in Nepal maybe 12 years ago. And my teacher really put these ideas that if 
a tattoo didn't have perfect lines and it didn't look a certain way, then it was a bad tattoo because it wouldn't last long or it wouldn't have these craftsman quality that makes a tattoo good. And when I was learning to tattoo, and I think a lot of people that are learning to tattoo, they're not going to make perfect tattoos. When you first start, you have to learn the craft and the craft is really difficult. And so you go through these, I guess, moments of really f***ing up on people's skin. And for me, that was really difficult. Like I really had a hard time in making something that I didn't feel was good enough or perfect on someone for the rest of their lives. And about... I guess when I started tattooing again, maybe two years before I started tattooing again, which is now about six years, so about eight years ago, started seeing all these references from the early 1900s when people, you know, were just starting to use machines and a lot of tattoos were done by hand and they weren't perfect and they were done, you know, in prisons over the course of days, months, who knows, by, you know, meticulously one dot at a time. And when I saw those tattoos, I realized that things didn't need to be perfect in order for them to have strong me- like sense of meaning or, or, or self that a really bad heart could look more impactful than a really pristine heart that was done and rendered perfectly. So in some ways, I kind of, I saw that as my end to tattooing because I didn't have to beat myself at the end of the day that I f- something up because it wasn't about f***ing up or making it perfect. It was about just putting that on the skin. Bruno, is anyone getting tattoos right now in COVID? Are you doing it? Are, yeah, are you yeah, sitting yeah. within so six I feet mean, of somebody? And Yeah, we're open. We've been, so we, I mean, we had to close for the last, um, for four, for about four months during, from March to July. And now we've been sort of back and open. So it's surprising actually a lot more people I don't know if a lot more people, I'm, I'm in a position, luckily, where I actually book out very easily, um, but it's been, it, I haven't seen any changes pre-COVID to post-COVID in, in the sense of how many people, um, and some people that I have tattooed have mentioned, like, the fact that, you know, they've been thinking about getting tattooed for a really long time, they didn't know what to get, but now it didn't really matter, they just wanted to get it, because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. I think going back to that like idea of permanence and impermanence and, you know, we think about life being this permanent thing, but it's really not. You might die tomorrow, so why not enjoy what you have today? And I've always thought about tattoos almost as great mistakes, like something that you do today that means absolutely nothing maybe, but you did it and at least you did it. Like, I don't know if that's basic, but, but it's it speaks to um to some truth about how i see my clients get tattooed and other people get tattooed and sort of letting go of that idea of permanence and you being permanent and your body is there a particular tattoo that people seek out from you do you have a most popular work of art a most popular great mistake that someone could add to their body um not so much i've been dabbling with um uh, a lot of freehand machine tattoos recently which is um, basically Western tattooing or, you know, tattooing that exists today is basically a tracing of a stencil. So you go into a tattoo shop and you pick a design and we create a stencil and we put it on your body and then you check those placement, you check the size and you check the drawing and you say, that's what I want. And my job as a tattooer is basically to reproduce 
this design on you with the best of my capabilities so it looks exactly like what you thought it should look like. And what I've been doing is stripping away that idea of the stencil and just drawing directly with the machine on the body. So whether it's a skull or a rose or, you know, these basic kind of symbols that exist in Western canon of um, tattooing and trying to, to create those directly on the spot. And, you know, sometimes there's mistakes that happen because I'm a human being and, you know, I've drawn skulls now for five, six years every day, but sometimes they look different than others. And that kind of letting go, but also letting the artwork exist with the moment is something that's been very interesting to me. Going directly into the experience of getting tattooed and making that the meaning versus attaching meaning to the symbol is, I guess, yeah, something that I've been kind of pursuing and interested in and something that people have been gravitating towards because not a lot of tattoo artists will do that. Have you done anyone famous and did they cry? <laughs> I haven't tattooed that many famous people, to be honest. I It's something that I'm a little bit dreary of. When I was just starting out, a lot of people that were looking towards or looking towards getting tattooed by me were people that were looking for something that fit outside the popular and once I become popular, then it attracts people that are interested in what's popular and it changes things very, it changes things in, in maybe the decision making that the client makes. Because when something is not popular and attracts you, it's maybe, it's because it attracts you. And when you want something popular, it's maybe because you're trying to fit into something that's a trend. And that's something that, you know, I think if I got to tattoo Justin Bieber, for example, or you know, Rihanna or Beyonce, I would dread the idea that all my clients would want to have the same tattoo that I tattooed Beyonce because they're Beyonce fans. Like that would be the worst sort of tattoo career for me. We'll tell them not to call. (laughs) (laughs) This project you had called Dispose a while ago sounds like it was a precursor to Instagram. It's. It was a publication that uh, me. You disposed of it. I disposed of it. It was. Uh, yeah, we're handing out disposable cameras. This is pre kind of the height of Instagram. I think just at the beginning, Instagram with the idea that people would document a day of their lives with a disposable camera, and then we would edit and publish the photos on a website. Um, it was really interesting in the sense that we got people from. You know, Wayne of the Flaming Lips to uh, people in the in slums of Kiberia and Kenya. So it's a very like cross hatch of people's lives, and we're trying to to kind of show people, yeah, what sort of Instagram is doing now. Maybe I, I should have started Instagram instead. It would have been richer. <laughs> I, I love that idea. I, I smell th- lawsuit. <laughs> I think the the sort of a disposable camera is is an amazing thing because it's an artifact generator. It feels related to the kind of your tattoo work. Yeah, I mean, I think in like that sense of again, like the like that aesthetic and that nostalgia for you know the old. So I think that analog photography, and especially when you you look at like a, the way that analog photography looks taking through a disposable camera, I think there's there's a similarity in almost generating a, a vintage aesthetic, which is, I guess, something that, 
yeah, I'm fairly interested in. The world of tattooing has gotten so popular in the last 15 or 20 years. Uh, Bruno Levy lives in New York City where he uh, continues to work in that art form. And uh, we have had the pleasure of talking to him about all things put on people. By the way, Bruno, uh, I think I would uh, probably want a butter knife. Do you do butter knives? I'm trying to think of something that would look proper on me. Uh, I, I don't know. You like butter? <laughs> I guess. Butter, oh, oh, he loves butter. <laughs> Why did I go down this road? Hey, thank you for joining us today on the Accutron Show. Thank you. On behalf of Cool Hunting's David Graver and Bon Vivant Scott Alexander, I'm Bill McCuddy for the Accutron Show. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The Accutron Show. To hear all our shows, visit AccutronWatch.com. For upcoming guests as well as behind-the-scenes action, follow us on Instagram at AccutronWatch. From the 29th floor of the Empire State Building, until next time, Accutron time. Set your tuning forks.